Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to the Neighborhood Podcast. One of the hosts of the podcast, my name is Kyle Dabra. What's going on, everybody? Kevin Valentin here, the other half of the podcast. Yo, we got a Super Bowl set up for yes. uh, for two weeks from now. Yes, we do, and it's gonna be. You want, you want to let me know who that who 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 they are? P- well, pun intended. Well, who they? Well, well, the, well. The first team I'll mention is the uh, the Los Angeles Rams. Got a nice little dub over the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Last but not least, the team that Kevin has been riding with heavy the last couple weeks or so, and that is the Cincinnati Bengals getting a huge win on the road against the Kansas City Chiefs. Kevin, I know we got a lot of topics to get to. It's going to be all football related today. You ready to dive into this? Oh, yeah. All right. So, you know, the agenda is going to be pretty short and sweet. Going to go over the AFC Championship games, going to go over the NFC Championship matchup. Uh, we got the Bengals advancing to the Super Bowl, like I just stated, after defeating the Chiefs. You got the Rams advancing to the Super Bowl after defeating the 49ers. The Rams will actually host it since the Super Bowl is taking place in Los Angeles this year. Nice. We got back to back Super Bowls being hosted by the home team. So that's going to be quite something to watch in the next couple of weeks from now. And then we'll kind of dive into some of the more detailed stories from these games. Like, we'll talk a little bit about Patrick Mahomes falling apart in the second half of the AFC Championship game. We'll talk about whether or not Jimmy G's San Francisco days are done after his performance in that NFC Championship game. And then pretty much to wrap up the episode, we're going to basically give our first impressions of the Super Bowl 56 matchup between the Rams and the Bengals. So it's a pretty short and concise agenda for the episode today. Let's not really waste any more time. Let's dive into this first topic, and that is going to be the Cincinnati Bengals advancing to the Super Bowl after defeating the Kansas City Chiefs. So, like I said, we got the Bengals advancing to the Super Bowl, beating the Chiefs by the score of 27-24. to They won the game on a game-winning field goal in overtime. This game was a tale of two halves. The Chiefs got off to a really hot start, going up at one point, 21 to 3 And the Bengals made a huge surge in the second half of that game, taking the lead at one point with a score of 24-21. to Casey does tie it up before the game went into overtime at 24 apiece. Patrick Mahomes gets picked off, and Joe Burrow leads them down the field and sets up McPherson for the game-winning field goal that sends the Bengals to L.A. for Super Bowl 56. Really, one of the main points that we're going to focus on here is the Joe Burrow angle. Joe Burrow has been solid, to say the least, throughout his first postseason run, starting from the first game that he had against the Las Vegas Raiders and really culminating in this huge win against the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead when really the odds seem to be stacked against Cincinnati in a pretty significant manner. And without further ado, Kevin, to pose the question to you, just how impressive has Joe Burrow been to you 
in his first postseason run, resulting in a Super Bowl appearance. I mean, I've been saying it for a long time, and I know I sound like a broken record, but to me, Joe Burrow just has that persona. He has that that aura, that energy, however it is you want to go about describing it. Something about Joe, Joe Burrow screams confidence, swagger, just something about him. You just have faith in him. You know, he's poised on the sideline, doesn't really show much emotion, um, always kept together in the huddle. You know, you never really see him get frustrated or, or angry. And, uh, you know, despite having probably one of the weaker or inconsistent offensive lines in the NFL, you never see him get frustrated at his line or his teammates. You never see him pointing in hands or pointing the blame at anybody else. You know, it's always get up, move on, go to the next play. And that's something that you don't necessarily see uh, so with somebody in that stage in their career. Now, we get it. Joe Burrow is one of the older second-year players at being 25 because Patrick Mahomes is only 26, and he's been in the league for four or five years already. So, um Joe just seems mature, man. Joe just seems like he's ready for the moment. He doesn't shy away from it. He likes the crunch time. He likes being uh, from behind. He likes coming back and being clutch. So uh, I'm not necessarily surprised whatsoever. I mean, obviously, I made the prediction that the Rams and the Bengals would be in the Super Bowl. But, of course, rocking and pushing for the Rams to make it through the gauntlet that they had to go through. Um, Vegas being one of the easier matchups out of the three that they had thus far. But still, a hot and surging Vegas team going into a postseason could have been, you know, detrimental for the Bengals. So for them to overcome uh, Derek Carr and the Raiders, for them to, for him then to go into Tennessee, get sacked nine times, face the number one seed, Derek Henry comes back, um, and he seals the game and drives them down the field for McPherson to hit that game-winning field goal, to then go into probably one of the hardest places to play in the NFL in Arrowhead, um, and then catch a W there, just goes to show he's relentless, he's fearless, and Joe Burrow, is catapulting himself quickly into one of the better younger quarterbacks. And I know that this is going to be premature, but Joe Burrow might become, you know, that third wing alongside Mahomes and uh, Allen because at this point, Josh Allen hasn't been able to beat him. Josh Allen also hasn't been able to reach this plateau in his career yet either. So I really do have so much faith in Joe Burrow, and uh, I could not be happier for the Bengals in general. Kevin, I got to give you credit. You've been riding heavy with the Bengals the last couple of weeks. And you've been saying that the, this team has all the pieces and the confidence to make a Super Bowl run. And I can't believe that they were actually able to go on the road and beat that high-powered offense that the Kansas City Chiefs have and actually beat them on the road. I didn't expect it, but I got to give a tip to the cap to you on that one, my guy. Now, when it comes to Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow has really shown me what Kevin's really been outlining the last couple of weeks. There's a definite swagger that Joe Burrow possesses that I underestimated. Just because when I looked at some of these performances that he's had in the playoffs so far, there's really been nothing that screams to me that this dude is all world. Like this guy is playing above and beyond the competition that he's going against and just lighting up the defenses that he's going up against. He's, Hasn't done that, but he's been good enough to put the Bengals in positions to win by limiting the amount of mistakes he is going to go out there on the field and do. Now, he's still making a couple mistakes. Had that one interception um, in the second half against the Chiefs. I believe that was in the fourth quarter. Almost had another one in the fourth quarter as well on back-to-back possessions. But it doesn't really matter. Despite the mistakes that he's made throughout this postseason run, This guy in Joe Burrow can lead 
the Bengals to their first Super Bowl in franchise history. I mean, this is the first time that the Bengals have been in a Super Bowl since the freaking 80s. It's been over three decades since we've seen Cincinnati in this type of position before. And really, Joe Burrow, the guy is just cool, man. It's like you said, he has a swagger. He has a really nice confidence that he not only brings on just his skill set alone, but that swagger, it, it rubs off on his teammates. It rubs off on the entire team as a whole. And it's propelled Cincinnati to this point to where they are. I mean, you know, in overtime, after that Cincinnati defense gets a turnover from Patrick Mahomes, I mean, Casey's defense could have stepped up to play to make some plays against Joe Burrow, but Joe Burrow was able to make some plays happen in overtime, get that team in position to get McPherson out there for the game-winning field goal, and he did it. And this is kind of one of the things that I think, for me, I have to take account for moving forward. Just because that somebody like Joe Burrow in this postseason run isn't necessarily like lighting it up in every performance that he has in the playoffs. He's still doing enough to make that team in the situation where they can go out and win a game. And I have to start giving some respect to just guys that just go out there and give their team the best chance to win. And really the way that I see it, Burrow has done that despite some of the mistakes that he's made, which there have been a couple, but he's been able to overcome them and really overcome significant odds to get to this point. To beat a guy like Patrick Mahomes in Arrowhead, I don't think a lot of people necessarily were ready to make that jump that Joe could do that. But Joe proved it. And I got to give a lot of credit for Joe for being able to do that. Only Tom Brady was able to do that by beating Patrick Mahomes in Arrowhead. Well, now Joe Burrow's the second. You know, when you're in the same company as Tom Brady in that regard... I got to give you respect, my guy. And the way that I see it, Joe can definitely set them up for a Super Bowl title. I don't think that that's that far of a statement anymore. This win against KC proves that. And, you know, final point on the Joe Burrow side. Let's not forget big kudos to the coaching staff for being able to overcome nine sacks against Tennessee. They were able to keep Joe upright despite obviously having a disadvantage with a weaker offensive line. Um, only sacked one time today. Absolutely incredible. They mm -hmm. schemed correct against Kansas City's defense. They were able to get the ball out of Joe's hands. They were able to run it effectively as a team for 4.3 yards per carry throughout the entire game. So keeping a good balance of run and pass and keeping Joe standing upright was enough to have that formula for success and obviously led them to the path of victory. So, you know, big kudos to Cincinnati's coaching staff. They had them ready. <laughs> Burrow made some really great plays, though, especially on, on third down. I mean – the Bengals converted eight out of their 14 third downs. And to be able to do that on the road Nuts. and with the way that Joe Burrow was able to use his legs, extend the play, uh -huh. and get those crucial first downs, that's huge. And to me, you know, for a guy who's only in their second who's only in his second year, I mean, last year the Bengals finished four and twelve. Now, granted, you know, Bang uh Burrow did get hurt towards ACL with a couple of weeks left in the season. But the fact that he was able to overcome all of those obstacles, get into this position to where he has a shot of winning a Super Bowl title in his second year, it's phenomenal. The guy never is been legit. Done. The guy's legit. He is primed to make a huge statement in that Super Bowl. And um, I know that game isn't going to be played for another couple of weeks or so, but 
the dude's legit my guy and he proved it to me and i got it like i said i gotta give respect to that you know kev i i gotta give it up to you you made that pick and um it's like i said earlier it's like i gotta give you respect for that so good on you bro appreciate you now there's a whole nother narrative that we got to go down and it's really weird the fact that we're going to be talking about this in the manner that we are but yeah. the quarterback on the opposite sideline had probably one of the worst games of his career in the second half so i kyle what what, what do we got coming up on this one man yeah th- this is really kind of odd because we don't necessarily talk about patrick mahomes in this light but it is really fair to say that Patrick Mahomes flat out choked in the second half of that game against the Bengals. I mean, Patrick Mahomes played perfectly, damn near perfect in the first half. Had three touchdowns, was lighting up that Cincinnati defense. And it really did look like, even though there was an 11-point game at halftime, that Cincinnati uh, was going to get the doors blown off by KC just with the way that Patrick was playing throughout that first half. But Patrick was only able to lead that KC offense to three points on the board in the second half. And when it got to overtime, despite the fact that they won the toss, they couldn't do anything with it. Actually ended up getting picked off on third down that set up the Bengals on their game-winning drive that would advance them to the Super Bowl. It's really kind of an odd situation, especially at home. Being up 21-3 to at one point in that game and then losing it 27 to 24. It's definitely got a sting if you're a Kansas City fan. Now, Kevin, to pose the question to you, how would you describe Patrick Mahomes' performance against the Bengals in the AFC Championship game? Well, I mean, it's like you said, the first half, damn near perfect football. Obviously torching Cincinnati. The thing that we're circling on is the 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 failure, the collapse, the absolute atrocity that was the second half for for uh, Patrick Mahomes. And it looked like the Patrick Mahomes from the first couple of weeks of the season. Here's why. Two interceptions, fumble. Obviously, the fumble wasn't lost. The offensive line was able to recover. And indecisiveness in the pocket. Patrick Mahomes, in my opinion, was trying to get a little bit too fancy. He had rolled out. He had been pressured out of the pocket, making a lot of backwards rushes and kind of trying to spin back and forth to avoid the pass rush, which led to him being sacked four times in the second half, which led to almost knocking uh, Harris Butker Harrison Butker, right? Yes. Out of field goal range to uh, potentially lose the game. Obviously, they ended up tying it. But um, Patrick Mahomes was just making ill-advised decisions, bad throws, a couple of them off the mark, out of the reach of the receiver's hands, thrown behind, overthrown. Um, I don't know if the pressure got to him. I don't know if the drive before the half started with Tyreek Hill got stuffed at the one or two-yard line uh, going into halftime really messed with his confidence of them not being able to punch it in and put them back up by a a formidable amount. But the narratives behind it are endless to me. The possibilities of what if, um, I genuinely have no idea what happened to Patrick Mahomes. Cincinnati's defense turned it up, of course. They ended up finding ways to keep everything in front of them. Um, Of course, Tyreek Hill was completely shut out in, in the second half and in overtime with no catches. Travis Kelsey was limited to just a few. And the list goes on and on and on. The pressure was absolutely totally different from Cincinnati, and they were able to get rush and annoy Patrick Mahomes the entire second half. And I just I, I don't know what it is. I'm sitting here, and mind you, we've been thinking about how to go about this topic for a long time, but Pat just didn't look like himself. Even though that he was able to torch in the first half, it's literally like it was it was two different players. It's like that 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 funny meme where it's like 
when you know the the, the Scooby Doo gang catches a ghost and you pull the, the the mask off and it ends up being somebody from the beginning of the episode. It was like Patrick Mahomes. You you, you ripped the helmet off and it was like Jamarcus Russell. Not to be that drastic, but I mean, like that was the the drop off to me. It was just perfection to 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 horrid. It was Patrick Mahomes to a quarterback we've never seen before. And I haven't seen Pat Mahomes run for his life the way that he was running away from Cincinnati defenders since the Super Bowl last year. So you could really chalk it up to a bunch of different reasons. Patrick Mahomes sold. Absolutely terrible. Patrick Mahomes choked. That's the only way to put it. And, you know, because of that, Cincinnati was able to capitalize, and that's why they're going to the Super Bowl. Listen, I'm not going to get overly critical about Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. 100%. But this game is definitely going to be a mark on his career early on. And it really comes off the heels of one of his best performances that we've seen throughout his postseason career in that first half. I mean, that first half, Kevin, he was torching Cincinnati's defense. It wasn't like Cincinnati was going toe-to-toe with them in the first half. I mean, it was 21-3 to at one point in the second quarter. And it was in large part due to what Patrick was able to do, just methodically moving down the field, whether it was hitting Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, McCole Hardman. Cincinnati had no answer, and Patrick was just dicing them up left and right. I really do think that when Tyreek Hill got stopped at the one-yard line right before halftime, I think that's when all the momentum with KC stopped because Cincinnati went into halftime thinking that they could potentially be down 28-10. to but going into halftime, they were only down 21 to 10 after they stopped Tyreek Hill. That's a huge momentum booster. And when Casey couldn't get anything going on that first drive, I just imagine that Cincinnati's confidence went through the roof. Like, we can get this guy. We can get after Pat. We can make life uncomfortable for him. And they did. That entire second half, Patrick Mahomes and that offense could not do anything until literally like the last drive of the game in regulation where they were able to get down to the the red zone and they were only able to settle with a three point field goal. I mean, it's tough if you're KC because you saw what they were able to do in the first half. You're thinking like, how could they only score three points in the second half after that first half performance? Cincinnati's defense just ramped up the pressure and KC's offensive tackles. They really could not defend the edge as well. And that's where a lot of the pressure came. And Patrick, you can only evade so much. I mean, he ended up getting sacked a few times. A couple of them ended up in a strip sack. He had, had two turnovers. Um, both of those were interceptions. Just all in all, it just Patrick just collapsed in that second half. I think if memory serves me right, the guy had over 200 yards passing in the first half and had like 75 in the second half and overtime combined. That's just atrocious. It's one of the worst performances that I've seen in a half by a star-studded quarterback like that throughout my lifetime. Unfortunately, it's Patrick Mahomes in this instance. And really, when I look at Patrick Mahomes' overall game, first half was fine. But he's got to take a lot of the responsibility for what happened in that second half. So, granted, it is a team game. And I'm not going to place the blame solely on one person. But when you start divvying up the responsibility of where it lays, Patrick's definitely got to take some. Granted, he's 26 years old. He'll be able to bounce back from this. It's not the end of the world. But 
Casey probably should have won that game. When you're up 21 to three at home and you can't seal it, it's not a good look. But knowing Casey for who they are, I do think that they will be able to bounce back. But this game is definitely going to be a hit on Patrick's career when we look back at it. But I do think that they can bounce back from it. That's just how I see it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the AFC Championship as a whole didn't disappoint. Um, but, you know, we can kind of talk about speculation on what's going to happen with Kansas City for hours on end. But at the end of the day, Joe played what he, Joe played great. The Bengals did what they needed to do. And, you know, Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs are going home. Now, this next one, the NFC Championship, mm-hmm. kind of followed suit. It was a little skeptical in the beginning for one team. And, you know, at the end of the day, they ended up turning it around, scoring 13 unanswered, and ended up coming back to win. And, you know, by the score of 20-17, to 17, the Rams advanced to the Super Bowl over the San Francisco 49ers. But Kyle, what are we uh, what are we talking about for this one? Well, it's like it's like you said, you know, we got the Rams advancing to Super Bowl 56. They are going to host uh the Super Bowl in 2 weeks. Back-to-back Super Bowls where we got the host team. Oh, weird. Going to be in it. So, we'll see whether or not the Rams can be able to pull it off. But we're going to take the um we're going to take the Matt Stafford angle on this one. And there was a lot of a lot of noise about Matt Stafford being traded to the Rams. And it really kind of showed that the Rams were going all in to get a Super Bowl when they made this move to get Matt Stafford out of Detroit. And from where we stand at this point, it seems like it has worked. The Rams are in the Super Bowl. Matt Stafford has really led the way for most of the season for LA. And really, he has set up the Rams in prime position to get a title after just only being out of the Super Bowl realm within the last couple of years, the last Super Bowl they, they were in was just three years ago when they lost to the Patriots in Super Bowl 53. So a lot of credit to Matt Stafford and Sean McVay and really the entire Rams organization for really going for broke on this Matt Stafford trade. And by all accounts, it seems like it has worked out. Now, Kevin, to pose the question to you, are you convinced that Matt Stafford is good enough to win a Super Bowl for the Rams? I think Matt Stafford has shown in this last month, obviously the playoffs, that he is able to lead a team to a Super Bowl. Here's why. Matt Stafford has always been a person to give it their all. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. Most quarterbacks, most NFL players, most athletes are, right? That's not true. Matt Stafford played in probably one of the worst places that you can in the NFL, and that's the Detroit Lions. Is it his fault that he got drafted there? No. Is it his fault that he stood? Potentially, but that's loyalty, hoping that things could change, maybe turn it around, had a couple of playoff berths here and there. But you can never say that Matt Stafford quit. You can never say that he badmouthed his teammates and all of those good things. So when it became present or you know it became aware or known that Matt Stafford was going to be traded to L.A., the narrative was simply, is he worth all of this real, real estate? And by real estate, I mean two first-round picks, obviously future things, and uh, Jared Goff and all these other things that the Rams had to give up to get him. Now, you make a trade like that, which is a blockbuster trade, and you say it's Super Bowl or bust. And I know a lot of people say, well, it's Super Bowl or bust for everybody every single year. No. When you invest your entire future in basically what's the equivalent of three or four players, you know, Jalen Ramsey, Vaughn Miller, um, obviously uh, Matt Stafford, and a couple of other players that they had to go and acquire to create this Super Rams team, um, you're giving away your whole future to win right now. And right now, this is the final step. They have made it to the Super Bowl. They have overcome the deficit that they had to and falling down to the fourth seed in the playoffs. So 
they actually went out and achieved the goal that was set in front of them that people expected them to reach. But like any other team in the league, they had their doubts. Matt Stafford shows, showed, showed, excuse me, poise, showed confidence, the ability to make the good throws, the ability to throw the, the ability to throw the ball away and make good decisions. He had an interception early on in this game, but he was able to bounce back, throw for 337, two touchdowns, and was only sacked twice. He made efficient and good throws. He made good reads, and he was able to throw people open. Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham Jr., what a tandem those two are going to end up being for the foreseeable future if Odell ends up re-signing with L.A. But for most of this team, it is their first Super Bowl appearance, outside of the few that are still on the team from Super Bowl 53. But Matthew Stafford has always been mechanically an amazing quarterback to go out there and make great plays. But now he has the supporting cast around him that he was missing and lacking in Detroit for the last decade. So as of right now, it's showing that the trade was worth it. It is showing that Matthew Stafford proved to be worth every single aspect of it. Now the only thing left to do is, is, is uh, you know, beat Joe Burrow and conquer and capture the Super Bowl. Yeah, Kev, I, the way that you laid it out, I, I thought it was well done. But when I look at Matt Stafford, I want to focus on this NFC Championship game because it showed me something different about Matt Stafford. Because at first, this game did not go the Rams' way, like you stated. Matt Stafford got picked off in the red zone early on in this game. And despite the fact that I think the Rams were favored to win this game over the 49ers, the 49ers gave them everything that they could handle. I mean, at one point, the 49ers were up 17-7 to in the fourth quarter. It was a 10-point deficit. And despite the fact that Matt Stafford was able to kind of move the ball up and down the field for that Rams offense, it wasn't resulting in points until the fourth quarter. That, to me, is when Matt Stafford was able to make the plays that needed to be made and rise above the occasion. And I think he did it flawlessly. Just because it's like you said, with all of those expectations on his shoulders after getting traded from Detroit to go to L.A., L.A. is investing their short-term future in Matt Stafford, Vaughn Miller, Jalen Ramsey. Like These guys need to be able to perform, but Matt Stafford, he is really the crown piece. He's the crown jewel in this huge investment to try to win now with this current Rams roster. And the guy that they ended up trading for he made the plays that needed to be happen that needed to be made just because in that fourth quarter he was money he was hitting up Odell Beckham with some nice passes he was hitting up Cooper Cup with nice passes and even their backup tight end because when Tyler Higby went down they only had one tight end left on the active roster and he even he was able to get some targets from Matt Stafford that they were able to cash in on so to me he showed poise when the pressure was really starting to mount in that fourth quarter and he excelled. He did not succumb to the pressure and he was able to get the Rams at the scoring position, able to make it a three point game on that second Cooper cup touchdown. And then even though that they weren't able to get any more touchdowns after that, Matt Stafford was still able to drive that team down into field goal range where Matt Gay would knock in not just one field goal. He would knock in two. the second one being the game winning one. So Matt Stafford, he's in a great position right now, you know, looking forward to what's in front of him two weeks from now. Listen, he's in his home stadium. There's a little bit of, I guess, a little bit of relief knowing that you don't have to travel to 
you know, halfway across the country or to the other side of the country. So you get to stay home for two weeks. You get to relax for a week a little bit. And then you focus on Cincinnati going into next week, uh, going into uh, the Super Bowl week. So all in all, Matt Stafford has played up to snuff for the Rams. He proved it in this game against the 49ers. And he has a great opportunity to essentially seal that not only is he a good quarterback, that he's a championship caliber quarterback and that he needs to be regarded as one if the Rams were able to beat the Bengals in Super Bowl 56. So really all I could say about Matt Stafford right now is that the trade was worth it to get him out of Detroit, but there are still higher aspirations that I think he's looking for, and that's just how I see it. Yeah, because you go and look at the actual breakdown of this game, and L.A. is actually favored in almost every single category. First downs, time of possession, total yards, total plays. I mean, literally, you name it, the Rams were just – it just looked like they just couldn't capitalize and get the ball in the end zone for a long time, and it just looked like they weren't able to complete or finish drives when it mattered most. And like Kyle said, when you look for a player that's going to take you to that next step, obviously most of this team – not most, but you know a good amount of this team – was in the Super Bowl just a few years back with Jared Goff leading the way. You go and take out Goff and put in Stafford, and this is exactly why you did that. This is exactly why you have no picks for the next five, six years. He was able to come back from 13 down at home, rally the troops, get everybody ready, and lead them down the field of victory. A lot of quarterbacks at this point in their career where Matthew is, they're just like, bro, I'm making all this money. It is what it is. I want to win a Super Bowl, yes, but down 13. I don't know if a lot of them could down end 10. up making the down throws. Down, excuse me, down 10. I don't know if they're able to go down the field the way that he was, as calm as he was, make the throws as good as he did. And, of course, capitalize on some of the matchups that the 49ers defense was, was putting out there. A lot of single coverage on Odell. A lot of man-to-man coverage that they left Cooper Cup on or just beaten zone. So, overall – Super happy for Matthew Stafford to go out there, do what he needed to do. And, uh, you know, he's got an opportunity to go out there and play for a Super Bowl that he's been, unfortunately, uh, kept away from for having playing for Detroit for God knows how long. But Matt did get lucky. There was one play in particular where he threw kind of, right. a, kind of a prayer ball. I think he was throwing it to Van Jefferson. And I forget the guy's first name, but I know it was Tart. He was one of their uh, the, their safeties or one of their corners. And, I mean, it literally hits him on the number. I mean, it was literally like – it was almost like a pop-up. Like, you know, you see a baseball player, like, you get ready for a pop-up. I mean, he was literally – like, it was in perfect position. Like fielding a punt at this point. Yeah, like, exactly. And it literally just – it falls out of his hands and it falls to the, to the floor. And it actually led to – a Rams scoring possession because after that play, the Rams were able to march down the field and they were able to score. So, you know, had Tart made that interception and that was probably about halfway through the fourth quarter. It changes the entire complexion of the game. Cause at that point, the game was still 17 to seven and you take away an extra possession from the Rams. It changes the entire dynamic of the game. So if I'm looking at Tart, I mean, Man, you gotta catch that. It was literally on your chest. Like you just gotta catch it. You just gotta make that oh, yeah. play. And unfortunately, he just wasn't able to execute. And that 49ers defense, they just kind of crumbled in that fourth quarter. And I know the memes have kind of been circulating the last couple of hours or so. 
But once again, a Kyle Shanahan led team falls apart. Falls apart. Twenty eight to three against the uh, the Patriots in Super Bowl fifty one. They were up twenty to ten in Super Bowl fifty four against the Chiefs. Ended up losing that one. And then they're up seventeen to seven in the fourth quarter against the Rams in the NFC Championship game. And they just can't seal the deal. Listen, Kyle Shanahan's a great coach. You know, he, he's putting his team in great positions to win. I mean, for God's sakes, before they played the NFC Championship game, the 49ers have won nine out of their last 11 games. And that was despite the fact that they got off to a rocky start about halfway through the season. But man, that fourth quarter, man, it's just rough for a Kyle Shanahan-led team. And they just can't, they just can't finish. It's just, it, it sucks because, I mean, the 49ers were really one or two plays away from going to Super Bowl 56, it possibly going to two Super Bowls in the last three years. I know there's some really good teams in the NFC. I don't think a lot of people would have really thought that the 49ers could have potentially gone to two out of the last three Super Bowls had they made the plays in this game. But they just find themselves on the short end of the stick on this one. And literally one or two plays would have made the difference in that game. I mean, that that's how much we're talking. It could literally be a play or two. So. And that's why this this next segment is going to be the one that's a bit interesting, um, potentially a little bit um, conflicting for some. So, I mean, Kyle, what uh, what's on the agenda for the next spot? Yeah, so our next segment is going to be focused on the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, they are eliminated after losing to the Rams in the NFC Championship game. But we're going to focus on Jimmy Garoppolo. There has been a lot of talk about Jimmy G's future moving forward with the 49ers. And you can potentially say that his stock may have been up because he was able to lead the 49ers to a NFC Championship appearance. Could have been even helped more had the 49ers won this game against the Rams. Unfortunately, the 49ers fall short. And on one of the last possessions of the game, he ends up throwing an interception with about a minute left to go. And I guess some people are wondering, is that the last of Jimmy G and San Francisco? So, Kevin, to pose the question to you, do you think that Jimmy G's tenure in San Francisco is done after losing the NFC Championship game? So what sucks about this take is I like Jimmy G. I think Jimmy G can make throws. I think Jimmy G is talented. I think that Jimmy G can do everything you need in a playoff contending, Super Bowl contending championship team. But unfortunately, because of all the pressure that Shanahan has with drafting Trey Lance with the fifth overall pick last year, or not fifth, I think, what was it, third, right? It was, I think it was third. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure it was third because uh, uh, Jamar Chase was five and the offensive lineman for Detroit was four or six. Nevertheless, top, top, top five pick, right? Um, and, uh, you know, a quarterback. Jimmy G's had a lot of injury history. Jimmy G has been known to have some unfortunate late-game decision-making problems, a.k.a. obviously what just happened in this NFC Championship. But Jimmy G is, is, is slept on, man. Jimmy G is a winning quarterback, and in his career, Jimmy G is 63-40. and 40. Now, I don't know if that stat is including tonight's loss, so potentially, you know, 60. No, I'm completely wrong. Wow, that's awful. 33-14. and 14. I, I, Wow, I am, like, blind. The point of the matter is, Jimmy does what you need to do to win. Jimmy keeps you in games. Jimmy can find a way to make the big plays with his arm and obviously in some cases with his legs. But 
he's not bad. I just think there's a lot riding on his shoulders. When he was in New England, he was obviously behind Tom. When Tom went down or when Tom actually had um, – He had the suspension. Uh, when he had the suspension, Jimmy came in and did what he needed to do. And, you know, the speculation was, oh, is he going to take the reins from Tom Brady? The 49ers make the trade for him, and obviously we know history is here. He led this team to two NFC championships and one Super Bowl berth. He has been able to put them in a position to win for the last three years. Last year, he was hurt for the majority of the year. But again, to me, that's, that's his biggest concern, is staying healthy. And in that regard, I think it's time that the 49ers have to move on from him because we can't keep banking on you only playing 8 to 10 games a year. The, the league has now been extended to 17 games. Now, you know, the knee and then, of course, the, the, the shoulder and the thumb and then all of these, you know, the ankle, the miscellaneous injuries. When healthy, Jimmy's a winner. When he's battling injuries or out, obviously the team does not do well. And, it, you know, with the high real estate you paid to draft Trey Lance, instead of drafting something to assist Jimmy and this team, um, I think that that's going to bode for a, a decision to change at quarterback. And it's unfortunate because, like I said, I like Jimmy. I think he's good. Uh, I think that he can do what he needs to do with the right pieces around him, like San Francisco has. But when you really look at the nitty-gritty, he's getting paid a whole lot of money right now. Um, he's not playing a whole lot of games. And, you know, it's just, you know, this 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 situation is like an, an endless revolving door with him. It's an injury. He comes back. The team succeeds. He fucks up. And then it's literally like on and on and on and repeat. But – I think he's a good enough quarterback. I like Jimmy. It's, uh, but it is unfortunate that that was probably his last throw in a 49er uniform. Yeah, with Jimmy G, this is kind of a perplexing conundrum that I have with him. Because the way that I see it, Jimmy is a decent quarterback. But to me, Jimmy does not make the plays that need to be made when it's crunch time. And I'll explain why. So Jimmy is somebody that you can rely on I could, I could say probably through like the first three quarters by and large, because when, when it comes to these high pressure moments, I'll take Super Bowl uh, 54, for example, 49ers are up 20 to 10 in that game. And despite the fact that the Chiefs had this huge comeback um, late in the game, Jimmy G's got to make some plays. And despite the fact that Jimmy had played pretty well throughout most of that game early on, he wasn't able to make the plays that needed to be made in crunch time against Kansas City. And it unfortunately led Kansas City to get another opportunity to score and then eventually just run away with the game at the basically at the end. And then we could transition it to this playoff run in particular. When I looked at that Green Bay game just last week in the divisional round, did Jimmy G really do anything that says, wow, like this is a guy that we could really lean on moving forward for the foreseeable future. That offense only scored six points against Green Bay in Lambeau. The other seven came from, from special teams. And despite the fact that it was cold, it was snowing, it was like wintertime conditions, Jimmy G could really only be responsible for about six points out of those 13 against Green Bay. And then we transitioned into this NFC Championship game. I thought Jimmy played decent through the first three quarters. I mean, the 49ers were up 17-7 in the fourth quarter. But just some of these fourth quarter drives were just awful. 
I mean, some of these play, some of these drives only lasted three plays. It's three and out. You're off the field. And then in the last drive of the game where the 49ers need either a field goal to tie or a touchdown to win. And they can't even get past the 25 yard line on their own side of the field. And he ends up throwing the game losing interception after Aaron Donald pressures, pressures him and he just tries to throw it away and he ends up throwing the interception to end it. So like when I look at Jimmy, Jimmy is a guy that you can rely on in certain moments of the game, but there are other pieces on San Francisco specifically that have carried this team to where it's at. I look at guys like Debo Samuel, Eli Mitchell, or even Raheem Moster. I know Moster's been out for most of the year, but when that run game is firing on all cylinders, that's the focal point of the offense. It's not Jimmy. And then when you look at the defensive side of the ball, San Francisco's defense is a really solid unit. So when you look at these main units on San Francisco, for example, the defense is playing up to snuff. The run game is playing up to snuff. It's just that Jimmy, Jimmy can play good in spurts. It's just not consistent. And when it's crunch time, he falls short. And really these big games like Super Bowl 54, even the divisional round last week against the Packers, and then the NFC Championship against the Rams this past weekend. He doesn't do enough to get that team over the hump. Because sometimes there are moments where you got to show them what you're worth. And Jimmy, unfortunately, hasn't been able to excel and execute when the lights are shining bright in these critical moments of the game. And to me, I think that is something that San Francisco's had on their mind for the last couple of years. It was increased when they uh, drafted Trey Lance. And I think moving forward, I think Trey is going to be their guy. And I think they're going to try to get Jimmy out of there because I think they've come to the conclusion that Jimmy is decent, but he's just not the guy that's going to lead San Francisco to a championship. And unfortunately, I do think that it is Jimmy G's last time playing as a San Francisco as a San Francisco 49er. That's just how I see it. I mean, I give the man credit. The defense does what it needs to do. Obviously, the play calling that Kyle Shanahan is able to make is 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 in, is unmatchable uh, to me. I mean, obviously, he's got one of the better offensive minds in the game. Uh, but you can make the argument that if maybe there was a better quarterback in that position, he would have two Super Bowl championships or at least two Super Bowl appearances uh, mm-hmm. instead of you know two NFC championships, one succeeding and getting to the Super Bowl and then losing, and then obviously this one falling short of just holding on to win, quite frankly. So uh, we will see what happens this offseason. It is poised to be a crazy one, to be honest with you, with all the speculation of different people moving on. Um, But I am curious and excited to see what ends up happening in Jimmy's career. So let's focus on the good pieces here. Let's focus on the consistent, which is Super Bowl 56 has been decided and we're set here. The matchup is the Cincinnati Bengals going up against the ironic and weird that it's happening again, home team that is the L.A. Rams. So, Kyle, I know we have a specific topic here or a specific agenda in mind. So what what do we got for this final agenda before we say goodbye? Well, I mean, you pretty much laid it out for me. I really don't have to explain anything more than that. I mean, I mean, when we look at the quarterback matchup, you got two guys that are playing in their first Super Bowl. I mean, Matt Stafford's in his 13th year going to his first Super Bowl. You got Joe Burrow playing in his first Super Bowl in year two. Now we've got some, we've got some 
return Super Bowl players, like we mentioned earlier with Aaron Donald, um, just some of the leftover pieces that were left on that Rams team. Von Miller. Super Bowl 53. Von Miller wasn't playing on Super Bowl. Well, uh, Von Miller played uh, for the Broncos. Super Bowl 50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but overall, when we look at this matchup, I it's going to be definitely an interesting Super Bowl. And really, when you do kind of look at it on paper, it's set up to be quite a fantastic Super Bowl as far as I'm concerned. Now, Kevin, to pose the question to you, what are your overall first impressions of the matchup for Super Bowl 56 with the Rams going up against the Bengals? I think, quite frankly, for the first time, we have a very evenly matched Super Bowl. And, you know, I know that I say that, and the Rams are probably favored because they're home and because they have a little bit more experience. But in terms of on paper and personnel, I would say that these teams are very evenly matched. Joe Burrow and Matt Stafford have been playing great all season with some dips and struggles here and there, but have been playing well in the postseason. The run game is playing very efficiently. Joe Mixon, as opposed to the you know two-headed monster that is Cam Akers and Sony Michelle for the Rams. You have a star-studded wide receiving core on both sides with T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and of course, Jamar Chase for the Bengals. And then you obviously have Odell Beckham, Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, and countless others that have been able to step up for the Rams uh, as well. Then you look at the defenses. I would probably give this a little bit more of an edge to the Rams just because, quite frankly, the star-studded power on that team is just a little bit more. Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, Vaughn Miller, as opposed to the one or two players that the, the, the Bengals have on their defense. And one of those players, of course, being uh, Trey Hendrickson, who they acquired in free agency from the New Orleans Saints. So, Again, I would say it's a pretty evenly matched uh, game that it's going to be. Um, I am going to just be bold once again and just be straightforward. I'm picking the Bengals all the way. I made the prediction. I think Joe Burrow is going to go out there and kick some ass. Uh, no disrespect to Matthew Stafford. I just have a lot more faith in Joe. And uh, I really think that this Super Bowl is going to be a back-and-forth game. I think I say this all the time every segment when we make a prediction. I think the first team to mess up, and by mess up, I mean a big critical turnover, not an interception in the first quarter, not a fumble in the second quarter. A, the, the, this game is going to be tight. And I believe that this game is going to go all the way to the end like most of these games in the playoffs have, and it's just going to follow suit. It's who's going to make the mistake in crunch time and who's going to be able to capitalize. So I'm excited to see what happens. We'll actually give a full-length prediction when the time gets closer. But right now I'm excited for this game, and I think that both teams are, are, are relatively evenly matched. Yeah, I mean, that's how I see it as well. It, I think really kind of the interesting dynamic that I like about this Super Bowl matchup between the the Rams and the Bengals is just this almost kind of seems to be like the tide is turning as far as like seeing like the typical usuals, like somebody like Tom Brady or somebody like um, Patrick Mahomes. Like really like when you've seen these last couple of Super Bowls, like it's really been like Patrick Mahomes, like Tom Brady that have been like the focal piece of these Super Bowl matchups. And despite those two not being in the Super Bowl, I think we have a great quarterback matchup set between Joe Burrow and Matt Stafford. I mean, when we look at Matt Stafford, Stafford's been in the league for 13 years. Granted, he suffered horribly those 12 out of 13 years in Detroit. And in the first season, he goes to LA to play for the Rams. It ends in a Super Bowl appearance. And, Throughout the entire course of the year, despite all of the the bumps and nicks that the the Rams have suffered as a unit, they've been able to rally around Matt Stafford, rally around guys like Aaron Donald, 
Jalen Ramsey really rely on the veteran presence they have on this team. And it's propelled them to not only a great postseason run, but it's propelled them all the way to the Super Bowl. And I think there was a lot of confidence and a lot of just upbeat mindsets going into that NFC Championships. Like, if we win this game, we're playing in SoFi Stadium. We're playing in our home stadium for Super Bowl 56. And I think there was a lot of incentive to get it done against the 49ers. And they were able to fly with, they were able to pass with flying colors. And then when you look at the Bengals, the Bengals are a team that Kevin picked a couple of weeks ago as like that dark horse team that could come out of nowhere and shock the world and get to the Super Bowl. And they've really proved that to me. You've seen Joe Burrow in his first postseason run play really smart football. Has he played perfect football? Has he played like lights out football? No. But he has done enough to put his team in a position to win. And that's all you need. And he was able to do it against the Raiders. He was able to do it against the Titans on the road. And he was able to do it against the Chiefs, against one of the most high-powered offenses in Patrick Mahomes, and do it in Arrowhead. Not a lot of people were expecting that. I don't think a lot of people were even expecting Cincinnati to be here at all. But they have overcome the odds, and they've made quite an impact on me personally because I didn't think that this team would even get past the divisional round. So, you I mean, you look at Joe, he's been great. You look at guys like Jamar Chase, uh, T. Higgins, uh, Tyler Boyd. Like, these guys, they're still relatively young. They still have a lot of career left um, in the NFL. But they are making the most of it. And there's a, just, there's a confidence and a swagger about this team that is just so infectious. And it really does start, I think, on the offensive side of the ball. And I think it just rubs off on the entire team as a whole. To me, this defense has really stepped up of late. They've been able to get a pass rush no matter who they've gone up against. And they are making plays against some top-tier talent. They were able to do it against Derek Carr. They were able to do it against Ryan Tannehill. Made him look like one of the worst quarterbacks to ever play a playoff game. And then you had Patrick Holmes fall victim to it as well, where he completely fell apart in the second half. And in large part, it was due to what that Cincinnati defense was able to do by making like uncomfortable for him. So, I mean, all in all, I think this is a great matchup. I think this is an underrated matchup because I think a lot of people were maybe looking at the Bucks and the Chiefs to run it back, possibly the Chiefs or the Rams to uh, play in the Super Bowl. But this Rams and Bengals matchup, despite the fact that I don't think it was a matchup that people had penciled in at the beginning of the season, I think it's going to live up to expectations. This game, to me, is going to be a game of, of runs. I think LA or Cincinnati could get off to a hot start, but I could see the other team coming back, making it a game about like three quarters way through the game. And then really the fourth quarter is where it's going to be settled. And it's really going to be indicative of just who has the momentum and who just doesn't make the mistakes when it matters the most. But all in all, I think we have a great Super Bowl upcoming for Super Bowl 56, and I can't wait for it. Hey, man, I couldn't be happier. Obviously, I made the prediction for Cincinnati, but I also made the prediction for this particular matchup as a unit, not just because I had faith that both teams could make it, but because I had faith that these teams were really similar. Now, coaching style is a little bit different because Zach Taylor is a little bit newer on the scene as opposed to Sean McVay being familiar to this particular territory, having appeared in Super Bowl 53. But 
like I had stated in my point, both teams on paper just are too identical for me not to be intrigued. And like Kyle said, I'm tired of the same people over and over. I'm tired of having to do this repeat dynasty type shit again. Not that I have a problem with Pat Mahomes. Not that I have a problem with Brady winning an eighth ring because it's just more history to the resume if he decided to come back. But the point of the matter is we're seeing something that we haven't seen before, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Who the hell would have thought Matt Stafford and fucking Joe Burrow would be in Super Bowl 56? Like if I were to put a piece of paper and take it back in time to week one and I tell you these are going to be the starting quarterbacks, you'd look at me sideways. You might believe that one of them was there, but definitely not Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Kyle and I had Cincinnati dead last in our preseason predictions mm-hmm. in the AFC North. They had a complete turnaround. This is arguably one of the best single-season turnarounds in NFL history, having a top-five lottery pick, 4-12 and last year, to 12-5 and this year, and a Super Bowl appearance with a second-year quarterback. Like, I don't think people understand how difficult this is. Like, this sport, like Kyle had made it, Kyle alluded to in one of our segments that we recorded yesterday, to make it this far is so hard in the NFL because you have one shot. You lose and you're done. And Joe is playing like he has genuinely played in these situations his whole life. Mm-hmm. It's, it's insane how calm he is. And for the record, Joe, if he does capture the Super Bowl title, will be the first quarterback in history to be the number one overall pick, win the Heisman, win a national championship, and a Super Bowl within a three-year span insane it's it's wild i mean for me you know joe's just been consistent whether he was at lsu and now that he's transitioned as a cincinnati Bengal, the guy has just been consistent and to me what really stood out about joe burrow was really like the last like quarter of the season where you could tell that the chemistry that he had with the wideouts that he had at his disposal, like Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, uh, C.J. Uzuma. It's too bad that uh, Uzuma went out with that knee injury. It didn't look like a good one either. It looks like he's probably going to be out for the Super Bowl. That's really unfortunate for Cincinnati. But to me, it's just he's able to lock in on this chemistry and to be able to do it so quickly and to do it so effectively, that to me is a mark of a really good quarterback. And despite the fact that he's only in his second year, really the sky is the limit for Joe Burrow. And I think he's been really smart about this playoff run. It's like I said earlier, he hasn't lit up opposing teams like what Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen did in that amazing divisional round matchup between the Chiefs and the Bills. Like he hasn't been able to, to do something like that where he's putting up 350, 375 yards and he's throwing four or five touchdowns. It's not anything like that. But it's stat lines like, okay, I'm going to throw for 250, 275 yards, but I'm going to throw for two touchdowns. Might throw for three touchdowns. That's enough to put your team in a winning position. And for a guy going through his first postseason run, I mean, what more can you really ask for from the guy? I mean, the guy doesn't have to go out there and single-handedly carry the team on his back because the defense has been playing up to snuff. They were able to do it against the the Vegas Raiders. They were able to do it against the number one seeded Tennessee Titans. And to be able to hold a Patrick Mahomes-led offense to 24 points, holding them to three points in the second half, 
Cincinnati as a unit, they have really formed into a great unit at the perfect time. And I, I'm really excited for what they're going to be able to provide uh, moving forward. And, and with the Rams, I mean, the Rams are going all in, bro. There's, there's no other way to say it. They're going all in. They're trying to make it happen. It's like you said, they mortgaged their short-term future to make this happen. So they're going to make the most of it. But And this is really step one. Well, they're in the position. They're in the Super Bowl. Now it's just, what are they going to do with it? They're in a good position as well. And it's like you said, it's like both of these teams are just like evenly matched, bro. It's not like one team is far superior than the other. These teams are pretty much dead even. It really just depends on who makes the first mistake. That could be a huge momentum shifter in that game. But, you know, we got to get through, um, got to get through that freaking Pro Bowl first, which is probably something that we're going to cover on one of our episodes later this week. It's probably just going to be absolutely. Kevin, I I see no other way. I, I, it's not a segment that I enjoy talking about. I, we're not going to talk about it. Um, we're not going to talk about it on this episode, but we're going to talk about it probably later this week because the Pro Bowl does play. I think it takes place either, I want to say on Sunday uh, next week. I'm not really 100%. It's not, what it, it's not what it used to be. It doesn't even no, matter. It's no, it's, wash. Yeah, so. I mean, Kevin, it is kind of unfortunate that we have reached this point where, you know, football is kind of coming to a close. The season is wrapping up. We got Super Bowl 56. Um, You know, we will have free agent news in the offseason. But, I mean, bro, these last really, what what are we in now? The last five months have just, well, we could say four at this point. But these last four or five months have just been so much fun. And um, it really is kind of unfortunate that it is coming to an end. But I think our original Super Bowl pick, um, as far as the teams was, um, I think it was the uh, the Bucks and the Chiefs running it back. That was our original uh, pick before the I, season I, started. I I think yeah, I think I think we both picked that. Yeah, I, I think we. And to me, I wouldn't have had a problem with them running it back. But, no, rematch wouldn't have been bad just to see if Pat can, you know, get some redemption. It would have been nice to have a little saga to say he has one on the GOAT, you know? But but I do think that, you know, despite the fact that we didn't get that matchup, I think that this matchup is going to be phenomenal. I think it's going to be a lot, you know, I think it's going to be a dead heat. It's, it's, it's going to be a back and forth game, and I can't wait for it. It's just, it sucks that it's two weeks away. Yeah, bro, bro, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do about it? But Kevin, I, I, I think we've hit all of our topics uh, for the episode, my guy. I think uh, you ready to wrap this up? Yeah, man, that's about it. Um, uh, as always, I literally forgot what I was about to say. As if I don't say it every episode, I'm so tired. Um, as always, guys, thank you so much for all of the support. I mean. A couple of our videos have absolutely blown up uh, over the last week or so. And, I mean, our sub goal, uh, sub goal, our subtotal has shot up. Our average view time has gone up. I mean, I'm not going to bore anybody with numbers here, but Kyle and I are very happy with where we're trending. Uh, we see the fruits of our labor paying off, obviously, with everything we've changed from thumbnails to audio to all these kind of different things. And, uh, again, to anybody that's new or that's interested, please like, subscribe, comment, whatever it is that you guys like. We really appreciate it, and we welcome all forms of content from anybody else. Obviously, if you guys 
want to, you know, make some comments on some videos or, you know, like some things, we always welcome uh, interaction with anybody. So, I mean, uh, again, as always, thank you so much for everything. Yeah, it's just, you know, we just appreciate you guys tuning in, um, whether you guys are listening to us on the audio platforms like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Just all, we always appreciate it. And I know like our, our YouTube videos of late have really kind of blown up um, kind of unexpectedly. I didn't think that they were actually going to take off to the extent that they did. But d- despite that, it, it's been phenomenal. I definitely appreciate the support. Um, we'll have another episode coming out for you guys later this week. So definitely stay tuned for that. And really, it's just kind of gearing up for Super Bowl 56. So hopefully you guys enjoy what we have in store for you guys. Um, Kevin, if you have anything else floor is yours my guy that's a wrap for me guys thank you guys as always and we'll be seeing you again later this week yes sir welcome to sarah talk solutions ladies and gentlemen you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show i'm sarah b and i'm your host you can find me on my ig which is aussie underscore sarah underscore la i talk about amazing relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical wonderful wonderful city of the city of angels my ig which is aussie underscore sarah underscore la Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business, spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the The Candle Candle Power Power Hour. Hour.